Hello, and welcome to episode number 16 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. This is Lisa Gonzalez with the Institute for Local Self-Reliance, where I research and contribute to our website, muninetworks.org. In our 16th episode, Christopher Mitchell interviews J.D. Lester and Larry Gates of Chinook, Kansas. We just released an in-depth report on the incredible municipal network in Chinook and how the community developed this gigabit network without any borrowing or bonding. Lester, the city manager, and Gates, director of utilities, joined Christopher to talk about how the network contributes to the economy and the quality of life. They discuss their future plans for this incredible asset. Here are Christopher, J.D., and Larry. So this is Chris Mitchell. I'm on the line with uh, the city manager of Chanute, J.D. Lester, and the director of the utilities, uh, Larry Gates. Uh, thank you both for joining me on this uh, Community Broadband Bits podcast. Our pleasure. I'm very excited. We're talking on the day that we're releasing a case study uh, looking at how uh, Chanute has been able to build a very impressive wired and wireless network. Uh, but I thought we could start by describing uh, Chanute to people who haven't been there. What is it? What is the? What is it like on the ground? Chanute is a uh, rural community in southeast Kansas. If, uh, like me, communities west of the Mississippi is a railroad town. In fact. Uh, the way that the name of Chanute came about is there were four different townships that were vying for the railroad depot that was being designed by Octave Chanute, and he convinced those townships to merge, merge together. They named the town after him, and away you go. Um, Octave Chanute's conceptual design uh, was used for the Wright Brothers Flyer, a, a quaint town in southeast Kansas, a population of about 9,000, a lot of friendly people. The community of Chanute is a uh, full-service community, and by that I mean uh, we own an electric system and have power generation. We own a natural gas system, water, wastewater, and, of course, the, the fiber optics network that we're talking about here. So it's kind of in the central part of the southeast Kansas, so we like to call it the hub of southeast Kansas. It has struggled the last uh, couple of decades with the decline in manufacturing, uh, but we are in the process of making a comeback. and. Uh, deploying some of the uh, technology that we're going to talk about in this interview is one strategy that we have in order to accomplish that. The network is is fascinating that you've built, and, and we devote a number of pages, and we spent uh, a lot of time getting into it. So I know it's there's a lot that can be said about it, but I'm wondering if you can give us a brief overview of what you've done in Chanute to build this network, how you've gone about it. You know, uh, we've operated a fiber optics network since about 1984, and we used it basically for our substations and our, our generating facilities that were in three different locations within our community. Uh, when we did an expansion on our generation uh, in uh, 02, well, we rebuilt that fiber network, and when we did, we, we really used 144 fibers as a backbone uh, connecting those facilities. And, in certain locations, uh, we put splice boxes in, uh, thinking that uh, uh, we could maybe utilize this uh, in the future. And in 2005 was when we made that a reality, and we started connecting the schools and the colleges uh, up to our network, uh, offering service at that point in time. And, of course, we've grown uh, into this network as, as well as, as our customers did. As Internet becomes more popular at the schools and the educational facilities, we've had to uh, ever increase our bandwidth. And so uh, 
By doing such, uh, you know, we've expanded out to uh, level three. They have a uh, regen station here. Uh, just it's, it's in our electric service territory, and so we ran fiber out to there and connected to them. And, and now we uh, have a gig of internet that, that we're bringing into our community. We've connected several businesses to it. Uh, uh, we, we believe that it wasn't the deciding factor, but it was a factor uh, for bringing a, a new business into our community here recently. Uh, that's uh, going to create uh, probably 100, 125 jobs uh, over the next two or three years. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we have a lot of other interest in our community because of our network, and I, I think that we're seeing more and more of that uh, every day. Uh, we're, we're getting a lot of hits uh, because of our network. Uh, they like that gig, gig of Internet. And, and we're really seeing it being transpired from... Um, more channels on TV and surfing the internet faster is really an essential utility uh, going forward. And, and that was really part of the mindset as we began to expand the network out. We thought it was just going to be just as important as electric was uh, 100 years ago for uh, economic development. As you were describing um, the gig that you have, it suddenly dawned on me a question that I didn't have written down but we, that needs to be discussed, and that's when I get internet from my cable provider, they advertise it as up to speeds. And what you were doing down there is the opposite of that. And I, I was hoping you could explain briefly your approach to uh, provisioning broadband for your customers. It's it's not a uh, ceiling anymore. It's it's a floor. So they're they're guaranteed uh, whatever they're purchasing uh, at any given time, and, and then after that, they can pretty much burst of whatever's available on the network. Our strategy was, uh, when it came to pricing, is is price something out where they're going to be uh, at a certain level where they're going to consistently use that, but above and beyond that, it's all you can eat. Uh, because we're, we're paying for the monthly connection and the bandwidth anyway, you might as well take what you can. Right. I just think it's it's a really terrific approach. I hope that we see more communities considering it, but the idea of of guaranteeing basically that, that your customers will get this speed and then allowing them to use whatever slack usage is in the pipe uh, is terrific because it, it, it allows them a lot of benefit uh, without having to pay a lot more for it. And so it seems like an everybody wins situation uh, for the community. Well, and the exciting thing about having the level three uh, pop point of presence close to us and being connected to it with fiber is uh, we don't have to end at a gig. Their capacity is much greater than just a gig. I mean, with the phone call, we can go to 10 gig, and with some more electronics, they can just continue to go up. So I think we can long-term accommodate just about any need that's out there. The the network seems um, to have benefited from a real focus on identifying any opportunity to expand it over the years. I'm wondering if you attribute that to anything. Is Has there been a person or a document that's responsible for just making sure that every opportunity you have to expand your network you've taken advantage of? I, I think it's a byproduct of just good business practices. Um, you know, any time that we can say that we can use these technologies for multiple purposes, we want to be able to leverage that, you know, from public safety to uh, managing our utility infrastructure to uh, education. Uh, we just had an inquiry from the hospital who was going to uh, uh, electronic metal, medical technology where people can actually view uh, online, I'm assuming, x-rays and PET scans.
scans and CAT scans, and, and they're requesting 100 megs worth of, of broadband. So, um, you know, just any opportunity we can uh, to leverage it, we want to do. In fact, uh, we're talking right now, and with our WiMAX system, we don't just have to be focused on the community of Chinook, but the greater community. It's entirely possible that the library system in southeast Kansas can uh, connect uh, other libraries besides our own by using our uh, WiMAX system and our, and our fiber network and bandwidth. All right, let's talk a little bit about the wireless system. Um, so you have you had some licenses available to you to, to build this 4G WiMAX network. Um, why don't you tell us uh, who's using it and what its capacity is? Well, you know, that was that was interesting because we found out that there was uh, all of our school districts were issued uh, this spectrum, and uh, it wasn't being used, it wasn't being built out, and it was all going to be lost. The SEC was going to take it back. And so we worked with... Uh, with our school districts and uh, was able to obtain these licenses, start building out a WiMAX network, uh, a 4G WiMAX network. Uh, we have a few businesses. Uh, we, we've been doing some beta testing on that at this point in time, uh, seeing what the bandwidth capabilities are. And uh, I, I think people are having uh, 25 uh, and, and about 10 is, is the speeds that they're looking at at this point in time. I don't know. Uh, the, the radios that we installed are, are 100 meg radios, and we have four of those up in our community. So uh, there's, there's some other possibilities that we can use this for as, as we move to uh, maybe look at uh, smart grid within our community because of we have uh, water, electric, and gas meters, and uh, we're, we're looking at an automated uh, meter information system uh, to uh, uh, accommodate those utilities also. So, uh, and WiMAX may be a possibility that we use that. We have uh, you provided us with an excellent map that shows the coverage of the network. It's it's quite a bit substantial. Um, it's quite a bit outside of town as well as as I believe JD mentioned uh, in the comments about it, which is which I think is pretty interesting, benefiting those who may live just outside of town um, in addition to those who live in town. We were able to secure four different licenses, uh, one from the community college and three from school districts. And uh, based upon each channel, we were able to daisy chain those together and uh, create more bandwidth than what one alone could have done. And so you said that you have a couple of uh, business clients on that. I'm wondering if we can go back in time a little bit to when you hooked up your first business client and if you can describe the situation as to why that was necessary and the reaction uh, of the business to being hooked into your network. And I'm guessing uh, it's the same way with several of our customers, even on our fiber network as, as well as uh, this WiMAX that we connected them to. It's because they were having issues with, with broadband, either couldn't get DSL at their facilities or was having another service provider. And uh, the, the, the quality of service was not there. Uh, they were, they were uh, losing uh, their Internet connections to uh, just not being able to get much bandwidth to, to send the packets that they were needing to send. And so uh, we, were, we were able to connect these folks, and uh, they have been very happy with uh, the results of uh, getting over onto the SIGS network. Uh, I, I think we're highly reliable uh, anywhere we, we strive to, to be there with that. 
kind of having an electric utility mindset, we build a lot of redundancy into our infrastructure. Well, you, as you said earlier, and I don't know if maybe people missed it, but you provide all the infrastructure in town, it sounds like. Yeah, so it's uh, it would make sense that you certainly know how to um, provision reliable services. Yep, we've got all the poles and right of ways to be able to to work within, which simplifies things quite a bit for a provider. And so you, I believe, are beginning to plan, or you have been planning, um, the ability to expand your network out to touch every uh, household and business uh, when the the I guess when the financials make it feasible. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what you'll expect, what the benefits will be of expanding your network out to everyone? Well, I think we see uh, many potential benefits. Uh, what our objective is, and, and I know that some communities have, have done this successfully and others uh, not so successfully, but what we envision is to build out a network that is an open access type network. In other words, we don't necessarily want to be the retail provider of a voice service or a video service or uh, um, things of that sort. What we'd rather do is just transport IP packets, uh, similar to the way that we uh, might uh, buy electric kilowatts from another generator and then transport that to the home. We see this as a very similar function. So we could see having those connections being used for utility purposes, for our purposes, and then maybe market the excess bandwidth to uh, companies that want to provide retail services over our network. So it, it would be fair to say then that although at the present time you are providing retail services to a few uh, customers that are external to the the city and the schools, that in the long term you see your role as more infrastructure-based and not focused on services. Yeah, I see us maybe as a wholesaler of bandwidth for those connections. That's the path for open access that seems to be uh, making the most sense. We're seeing that work out pretty well in Danville, Virginia, and um, a couple of other places. So uh, we certainly um, hope that that works out because that's well, the only chance we really have in this country of having a robust competition, I think. So um, we're, yeah, we'll are we be thrilled to watch you trailblaze and hope that other communities are able to follow. We don't see it any different than building streets and bridges and letting anybody drive on them if they want. As the utilities are serving the water, the gas, and the electric, presumably there's even more benefit to you than if you were only doing electric smart meters, right? Yes, correct. Just out of curiosity, what um, can you go into that a little bit? Just because a lot of people associate the smart grid with just being about remote meter reading. Um, do you see uh, additional benefits beyond that? We have just completed a phase one study of implementing a smart grid and smart metering uh, network. And one of the major uh, items in there as far as cost recovery is as you under, begin to understand your loads and your infrastructure better from an electrical point of view, you can begin to size uh, the infrastructure properly. In other words, uh, you may have uh, transformers out in your system that are really uh, larger than what they need to be to meet the, the, the need and the demand. And if you can right-size those, then maybe instead of losing 5% uh, of your energy, you're losing 2%. Uh, and there are substantial savings uh, just by being more efficient on the energy side uh, within the utility, the electric utility. Same with water and uh, natural gas. And by being able to take that data and provide that to the end consumer, 
I think they can become better consumers. Uh, I think that the way we have it set up now is uh, they, they consume the, the utilities, and then uh, uh, 10 days after that, they get a bill and send it in, uh, send, send the payment in, and they really don't know what they're consuming, and they don't have the chance to respond quick during situations where it's more expensive or less expensive. Other things that will be other things we'll be able to see is, is such as if they get a water leak, mm -hmm. uh, we'd be able to determine that. We're going to be able to offer a lot more services, uh, such as prepay, to where they could prepay their bills. Uh, you know, the customer information system is what JD was talking about. Is just a wealth of information that the customer can have in his hand, to where he could see. Uh, what he's consuming or using. And of course, as uh, we all are here in the, the Midwest at this point in time in, in a drought, uh, this, this would be a huge tool uh, for us to use at this point in time and also our consumers just to see how they are doing in conserving water that they're using. Is there anything else about the network that our viewers should uh, understand before we sign off and encourage them to read the report? It's a fun tool to have. And, you know, I mentioned economic development. I, I do think that that's going to be a critical infrastructure for um, just about any business. I mean, um, even with manufacturing businesses, uh, they're so interconnected with their suppliers and their customers now that they've got to have that continual connection and bandwidth with them in order to manage inventories and, and control production. So. I don't, I don't think it's a fad. I think it's a long-term way of life when it comes to business. And we think we're positioned very well to, to satisfy those needs as, as they come along. One of, one of the benefits I think we have for business uh, that we didn't discuss much of is if there is a business in our community that has more than one location, uh, they're able to actually write to uh, servers uh, at gig speeds uh, so uh, they can uh, – not have servers in two locations, they can do it in one, they could better manage your assets that way. That has been uh, something that's been very uh, well liked in our community. Oh, I'm sure. The the cost in my community of, of hooking up two offices across town with a gigabit is prohibitive. Uh, is that something that do you right. charge extra for? Is that just something that comes with having two connections uh, to the Internet through you? We have a connectivity fee of $250 at this point in time. Per location. Per location. That's incredible. And just for just for clarification, the uh, um, the two hundred fifty dollars connectivity fee gets them unlimited communication between those two sites, and then there's an extra fee uh, depending on what they want to access from the internet. Is that right? That's correct. That's just two hundred fifty dollars is is just it's it's nothing compared to what most of the communities in this in this uh, country have to pay um, to to do something like that. So it's it's a heck of a deal. Um, we would expect nothing less from a, a community that has a motto of tradition of innovation, I suppose. Um, so uh, we let's hope that some other communities can uh, pick up on it and uh, learn from your lessons. Well, let us keep our competitive advantage for a little while. Right. <laughs> I, I think it would be very good for communities to get serious about this kind of infrastructure because I think it's going to be critical. Yes, oh, I, I absolutely agree. Um, although I think you're you're thinking far enough down the road that uh, it will be hard for for many communities to just up and surpass you. So, uh, congratulations! Thank you so much for for sharing uh, all the information with us in the report and on this podcast. It was it's been terrific uh, learning about Chanute. Again, that's our pleasure. Thank you. That was Christopher talking with J.D. Lester and Larry Gates from Chanute, Kansas. 
You can learn more about Chanute's journey to their gigabit network in our report. Download it at muninetworks.org or at ilsr.org. The case study is also available in Kindle format. If you have any questions or comments, email us at podcast at muninetworks.org. Our handle on Twitter is at communitynets. This show was released on October 9, 2012. Thanks to Fit and the Conniptions for the music licensed using Creative Commons. The song is called Spellbound. <laughs>